have with us a terrific guest today. He he has a real labor of love that he's involved in. Uh, besides his full-time police career, he's a pretty busy guy. Uh, Sheriff Scott Rose, welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, first, of, before we get into your podcast, um, tell us a little bit about your police career. Sure. I uh, So I started in law enforcement in 96 as a volunteer. I was a volunteer on the sheriff's posse here. And um, one of the responsibilities on the posse is uh, being a posse member, a volunteer member here, you have to do one ride along a month. So there are certain hours that you have to fulfill. And when I started doing ride alongs, I got I got hooked on it. I loved it. I loved the camaraderie. I loved the night work. I loved the, you know, cliche as it sounds. I loved the, the, the aspect of helping people. I grew up here. My dad was a deputy here. And um, so then I got my I part-time license. I started working for one of the local police departments. And then I went back to college and got my, in Minnesota, you have to have a college degree to be a cop. So I went back, got my degree and uh, ended up, ended up working here. And I worked way, my way up here from, from dispatch to, to where I'm at today. So, so police work's actually your uh, second career, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> my, talk about what you talk about what you did before. So I went to broadcasting school right after high school. And uh, my father, who was a deputy here, my father, when I told him I was going to go to broadcasting school in, in Phoenix, Arizona, um, he said, that's the perfect career choice for me. And I said, well, why? He said, because you have the perfect face for radio, son. <laughs> really, Dad? Thanks. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Um, so I went to broadcasting school and uh, uh, worked in radio stations in uh, Nebraska, Kansas, back to Nebraska again, and then and then back here. And one of my my main focuses in, in broadcasting was audio production. I was a production director for most of the radio stations and companies I worked for. And and I love that. And uh, I've continued to do uh, voiceover work and audio production in my studio at home on the side uh, while doing my law enforcement work. And uh, so I'm pretty fortunate. I've got two careers that I love. So uh, that's awesome. So how did how was the Officer Down Memorial podcast born? Well, I I am on the board with the Minnesota Law Enforcement Memorial Association. I'm also on the board with the local uh, law enforcement Memorial Foundation of Southeast Minnesota. And I got involved with the state association after we had a line of duty death here. Uh, my best friend here uh, who, who passed in 2013. And when I called Lima, Minnesota's Lima, and I told I needed help, didn't know how to handle things here. Didn't, we'd never had a line. Of, I had never been involved in a line of duty death. I didn't know what to do. And um, that association was just so incredible in how they, they stepped up um, they, they knew what to do. They knew how to, they, they just made it so easy for our agency and for the surviving family to, to focus on our grieving and not, not focus on the organization and, and putting things together. And they, they put together such an incredible celebration of, of uh, Captain Lauren Gunther's life and his service that I was just uh, I, I thought I want to be in, these are the kind of people I want to be involved with. Yeah, you know, and I want to emphasize that. I, and I don't think people who are not involved in law enforcement really understand how daunting a task it is to honor and bury one of our fallen and to, uh, and to assist their families. There is a lot to it, isn't there? You know, the one thing that we forget is when the funeral's done, and the phone calls stop, the visits stop, you know, it's, it's natural human reaction to, to it's uncomfortable. You know, right. you don't know what to say. 
Um, and, uh, and these, these families, they kind of get forgotten afterwards. If you don't really focus on, you know, making sure they're, they're supported. And, um, in, in talking with some of the families that we've worked with on the podcast, one of them recently told me, and I thought it was, it, it was, uh, super interesting that silence, the silence re-victimized them over and over again mm. because they weren't, nobody was talking about their fallen hero. Um, you know, for these families, that doesn't, it doesn't end at the funeral. It doesn't end when the phone calls stop. Um, yeah, most, most memorial associations recognize these fallen heroes every year during police week in May, but, but it's a long year. You know, you, you need to do things throughout that year to make sure that these families know that we still care, that we're still here and that we still support them. So, you know, podcasts are really popular now. That's how a lot of us, you know, get our information, get our, our uh, entertainment. So, you know, after thinking about all this, what, what uh, motivated you to sit down at a microphone and say, all right, I'm going to do my own podcast? Well, you know, it's funny. I, prior to doing this podcast, I'd never really listened to podcasts. <laughs> you know, most of, most of the stuff that I listen to is all work-related. Right. I guess some of them are probably podcasts, but I'm not, I, I was never your typical podcaster that would go on Spotify and look up, you know, different things to listen to. I just never did. And uh, so with the, with the, with my work and my, the voiceover work, and I, I was looking at how, how can I help and how can I do something to, to help tell the stories of these fallen officers? A lot of the, the memorial associations you'll see on their websites where they'll have a, a brief, you know, three line narrative of, talking about this officer and talking about what happened to them, but it doesn't really tell you much. Right. And uh, the, there, there are some really amazing stories about, about these heroes that, that it's important that, the, especially for the survivor families, it's important that these, these stories don't get forgotten. It's important, it's important that the, the work, the service and the sacrifice that these officers made is, is always remembered. And the podcast was an idea. It was a way for me to take both careers and do a, a project that that combined my skills from both careers, which I've never been able to do before, and and put this idea together, and uh, and we ran from it from there in November. So, so how do you choose uh, the stories? So right now I'm, I'm working on a lot of Minnesota stories, obviously because I'm here. Uh, I've I've done uh, several from Southeast Minnesota. Also working with the Omaha Police Department, uh, starting a project there where we're going to do stories for all 26 fallen there. Um, so in Minnesota, I'm I'm just slowly working on our list. We've got around 300 fallen officers here in Minnesota. The other area of focus that we're looking at with the podcast is working with agencies and survivor families who have parole hearings coming up for for their cop killers. You know, for the guys that for the guys that killed their loved one. Um, if they if they've got a parole hearing or in Minnesota, it's called a life hearing now, um, whatever the buzz term is, um, their parole hearings coming up and their, their life sentence or whatever their, their, their mandatory in Minnesota prior to 94, uh, it was a life sentence, life sentence with a possibility of parole for killing a cop. So all these cases from pre 94, they're, they're coming up on parole hearings and some of them have had several. So these survivor families are being re-victimized all over again with these, with these parole hearings. And with the podcast, we're able to work with the survivor families, the agencies, go through the reports. And this, it's an audio podcast, and we, it's a storytelling format. So we put you back in the era 
we we set the area, we set the time, we allow you to get to know the officer, get to know the agency, the families, and then we put you through exactly what happened that took that officer. And the 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 importance of that for us is one to tell the story, but two, it, it allows these surviving families that have parole hearings coming up to share this story with their agencies who can share the story with the communities and re-educate the, their communities on these cases that may have happened in the 80s or 70s, uh, mostly 80s right now that are the parole hearings are coming up. Let's educate the public. Let's let them know what happened. Let's let get the public to support this survivor family and this agency, send letters to the state and let's let's keep that let's keep that uh, you know their cop killer in prison. So that, that's the kind of the goal with that one. We've done one, we just did one in January, added another 10 years to that sentence with the Robert Beefy Lawson case. Uh, I've got one that I'm working on now in St. Paul, one with a Wisconsin sheriff, and then I just got contacted today about another one in Minnesota coming up in June. So that's another focus on, of the podcast. See, and that's excellent. I, we get contacted here at the National Police Association all the time from pro-police citizens who are asking, what can I do Right. to help. And that's one of the things that the public can do is get involved in those parole hearings, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So in, in the, the one in January, we worked with Itasca County and Robert Lawson's family, and they generated between four and 500 letters that got sent to the state, from my understanding. And, and he was given a, another 10 years on his life sentence. So that's excellent, because that means everything to the family. It means everything it? to the families. And, uh, and the, for the communities, when it's something that happened in the, in the 80s, a lot of these people don't remember it. Some of them may, may have been too young to remember. A lot of them didn't live in that community at that time. Right. You know, so it's, but these survivor families, they need the support. They need the, the support of these communities. And the podcast is a great way to tell that story and garner that support from, from, uh, you know, from everybody in that community. So. Now, from a law enforcement officer point of view, what do you see, uh, like, what do you see as far as the changes in our profession? Because you are going back decades, and when you talk about the 80s, that's, I started on the job in 1980. Right. Um, what do you see has changed as far as the way we deal with people, um, the resources and tools we have available, the training that we have available? How have you seen, through what you're doing right now, how have you seen the profession evolve? You know, I think... I think we've done a better job with survivor families. Um, you know, we've, we've got, we can't forget those survivor families. And uh, the, the other thing we have to remember too, and I've, I've learned it on a couple of podcasts that I've done, is we also have to remember the victims, if there were victims uh, uh, outside of that fallen officer that were affected by this case. For example, I've got a podcast that I'm working on where the officer was killed helping a, a, a teenage gal get away from an abusive relationship. It was a domestic incident. And that officer was killed. The, the young lady was saved. And, but this was, she's still struggling. And the, the feedback that I got from that family was nobody, nobody cared about us. Everybody was, all the concern was with the fallen officer, which, which is understandable. Sure. Um, but, but we got to remember they're victims too in this. You know, there, there are also other victims that we have to make sure that we support and we take care of as well. And, and you know, we're not always, you know, it's, it's awkward. It's awkward for law enforcement. Um, a, a lot of the survivor families, they kind of get forgotten and left 
by the wayside with some agencies or with some officers who it's uncomfortable to talk about. You know, do I do I go over and talk to her about uh, you know you know her fallen loved one? It's just going to be uncomfortable. Is it is it going to make it worse? Is it you know they these survivor families they want to talk about their fallen officers. They want that memory kept alive, and that's been one of the most rewarding responses that I've gotten from survivor families who've been involved in the podcast is how they felt it's been cathartic or therapeutic that finally the whole story is being told. And with a lot of the surviving families, because of the, the, the trauma and the event that happened, they didn't, they, they didn't want to hear reports. They didn't want to see reports. They didn't want to talk about the incident. So most of these families are also learning stuff about what happened to their fallen or things that other officers did to try and help their fallen that they had no idea happened because at the time they just shut down, which is a natural human reaction to, you know, to losing a loved one. So, um, so just some of the, a lot of unintended benefits to the podcast that, you know, my biggest concern when I started this and I, I, it's always a concern for us on the board is you want to make sure you're not doing anything to re-victimize these families. And my biggest concern with this podcast was these podcasts can get graphic and I'm going to, I'm going to exactly. walk you through exactly what happened to this officer. And how is, how is that going to play with the families? How, you know, I, I, when I, when I, start a podcast or when I start researching, I make sure they listen to some of the other stories so they know exactly exactly what to expect when I put their story together um, because I don't ever want them to walk away feeling worse than when we started. You know, I don't want to re-victimize them. And that's not, I've, I haven't had that response from any family we've worked with. So it's been so rewarding and, and really encouraging, uh, you know, just to keep going and try and tell as many stories as we can, so. Have you had the opportunity to speak with um, uh, children of survivors who were maybe too little to remember the incident? And now I actually have some to... that I'm talking to this next week. Well, and I'm, I'm yeah, uh, talk about that. This will that's... be my first time. Yeah, this will okay. be my first time having young kids. Uh, obviously, they're, they're adults now, but um, just to kind of get their perspective. I'm really curious to see what their feedback was, not only of how it impacted them and, and, and how it continues to impact them. But I'm always curious to see how, what kind of support or, or lack of support they felt that their family, their family had back then, because we can learn from that. With every one of these stories, we can learn on how to, how to do better. You know, obviously in a perfect world, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have to do any more funerals. Um, but the reality is we do. And, and uh, we just, we got to keep educating ourselves to make sure that we're, we're, we're taking care of these families. And uh, this is a way just to learn more about it. And, and uh, it's been really rewarding. So, Do you get an opportunity to talk to um, the surviving law enforcement personnel? You know, because like you said, you this all started because your best friend was killed in the line of duty. Right. Um, what is that like to talk to other police officers and, and maybe dispatchers and other personnel um, who were either there or greatly affected by that line of duty death? Another favorite part of my podcast, another favorite part of my research is talking with these officers who were in these incidents back in the 80s, 90s. You know, these are these are guys that have been retired for many years in their 60s and 70s. And I think the oldest I've talked to is probably, he's probably in his early 80s. And uh, I think it's just fascinating to talk to them. They love talking about the work. Um, they're frustrated about what's happening now. They're frustrated about the, the cancel culture and the anti-law enforcement narrative that 
the national media seems to to latch on to and politicians are latching on to. And, and uh, so it's, it's fun visiting with them and they want to talk about the officer. They want to talk about what happened. They want to share that how they want to share that this officer was a hero. How, how, how great of a person this was, the, the, the type of work that they did, the, um, they're proud to talk about it. You know, these guys are, are, are proud officers and, and it's, it's so rewarding to talk to them. And, and uh, we'll sit and visit for an hour afterwards and just talk. I love hearing the stories and uh, it's been fun. And one of the, one of the, uh, one of the other benefits that I've had reported to me from officers who were at the scene is those guys reconnecting too. Mm-hmm. You know, reconnecting with officers that they work with, their officers that were on the scene that that they just you know they stopped talking about it, and uh, you know they're talking about it again. They're getting together for coffee. They're getting together for a beer and talking about it. They're reaching out to the survivor family again and saying, "Hey, how are you guys doing?" And uh, or or family members, family members who because of the awkwardness of of the that officer being killed, family members who aren't immediate family members who found it uncomfortable to to approach that that immediate survivor family and just got estranged from them. And now that they've heard the whole story and heard what happened and heard what their, their, that family's gone through, now they're reconnecting. And wow. uh, God, it's just been so cool. I, it's been one of the most powerful projects I've ever been involved with. And, and uh, I'm really proud of the work on it and looking forward to uh, being able to share many more stories. So. You know, you you mentioned the whole, you know, cancel culture and anti-law enforcement uh, sentiment that's out there. Um, Do you think a project like the Officer Down Memorial podcast can help turn the tide on that anti-police sentiment that we that that I I truly believe that's the minority out there? um, But they seem to be the loudest. Do you think this can be helpful with that? That's another motivation for me. This is a this is just another vehicle for us to be able to tell stories and show how cops are human. You know these these are these are the folks that sit next to you at the basketball game. These are the folks that you see at the grocery store. These are the folks you sit next to in the restaurant. Um, they're they're people who they're ordinary people who are willing to do extraordinary things to to keep people safe in their community and, and to try and make a difference. And uh, any any kind of a any type of positive stories that we can we can put out there regarding our officers, I think that's so important in in, in building in helping build trust with the community that you serve, and um, certainly within these communities who've had these fallen officers, where we're sharing these podcasts, it's giving it's giving a lot of those citizens a completely different perspective of that agency and what they've been through, and those survive and that survivor family who they may not even know is a survivor family. Um, I have one podcast that I did where um, until I became sheriff here, I didn't know he was a line of duty death in this county. And I grew up with his kids. Hmm. I knew he was disabled, had no idea why, um, because the family just didn't talk about it. That's the Douglas Clawson story. So if you get a chance to listen to that one, it's a super okay. interesting story and just a tremendous family. And and his wife worked here for 37 years and, and, um, just another example of, uh, you know, being able to share those stories that that really weren't told back then. And that's the thing that I, I want people to understand, especially younger people, you know, we, did, <laughs> we didn't have the internet, no. uh, really, back in the no. 80s and into the 90s. And uh, 
So we didn't have the instant information. And, right. and, you know, we had, in fact, when I started on the job, we got the notifications of a police officer murder via something called a teletype on a right. printout. Right. And, right. Uh, and we really had maybe two or three sentences. And unless it was a local story or it made national news, which was rare, we didn't really know much about it. It wasn't talked about. Yeah, it wasn't talked about. And and again, that falls back on, part of that falls back on us as law enforcement, not really pushing and sharing those stories and, and uh, um, sharing sharing the importance of of the the, sac the service and the sacrifice that these officers made. And that's where I think we've gotten a lot better with that now. Um, but I, there's so much more to these stories to be told. Well, Scott, as we wrap it up here, where can people go to find the podcast? So officerdownmemorialpodcast.com is the website. If you're not a podcast person, like I wasn't, and you don't have a podcast app you use, you can go right to the website and you can get on the email mailing list and uh, you'll get those sent out every time a, a new episode comes out. Also, we're on social media. Follow us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and on Instagram. And uh, if you do... If you are a regular podcast person, we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, um, all the major podcast platforms. So uh, it's out there. Just look for Officer Memorial Down Podcast. And, uh, you know, the more people we can get to support it, the more stories we can tell and, and, and keep going with this. So the more, the more families and heroes you can honor, Scott. Absolutely. Thank you so Absolutely. very much. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention. What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer? Together, we can change this disturbing trend. If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids. I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. One, call 911 and give the officer's exact location. Two, ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. Three, if the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.